final furlong podcast is brought to you in association with attheraces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. After the Easter weekend and some fantastic racing to look back on, I'm Emma Kennedy alongside At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. Welcome back from Lingfield, where Georgie Boy did you proud. You ran a great race. We'll chat about that and the all-weather championships a little bit later on. First of all, though, uh, the focus is on Fairy House, where history was made, and not for the first time by Willie Mullins, because he took his first Gold Cup this year, and now he's added his first Irish Grand National, this time with Ruby Walsh on board, and in the hands uh, with uh, Burroughs Saints for Rich Ritchie. Um, this is uh, only a six-year-old uh, racing manager. Rich Ritchie was talking about the fact that this is them returning to buying the type of horse that brought them the success in the early days and absolutely stunning success yesterday, Kevin. €270,000 in the satchel as well. A third Grand National in Ireland for... Ruby Walsh, but more significantly, a first for the multiple champion trainer Willie Mullins. Yeah, it was a bit of a a bit of a, a quirky one, I suppose. That Willie had never won the race. It's a race that is that is, there's plenty of family history for for them there, the Mullins camp. But he'd never won it, and he, he kind of did it with an exclamation mark beside it this time, having a, a one, two, three, no less. Um, as well as the fifth home, so um, didn't half win it. He, he got the job done in big style. And Burrow Saint was Ruby's uh, selection, which was a fair effort from him now because there was it wouldn't have been an easy choice. Um, he, you know, you can see why he went from it is ultimately a handicap, and this was the young, uh, potentially improving horse that had a good chance of being ahead of his mark, and he he proved to be 100% right. Um, gave the horse a, a quite a cool ride, I thought. And um, while Isle of Hope and Dreams was lurking in behind him, seemingly going at least as well as him, um, we'll say at the second last, um, Burr's Saint was good and gritty under pressure and ultimately won with a little bit of authority. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up now in terms of type and everything else. He'll be up into the 150s probably after this. So it'll be fascinating to see what the, what the, the team do with him next season. But um, maybe he goes to Punchestown. Who knows? But... Um, I thought it was a lovely performance. Um, he could be he could potentially go for the Grade One novice chase if they wanted to at Punchestown. Uh, comes pretty quick, but <laughs> it's an option there if they want it. But uh, next season, you'd imagine would be would be at the forefront of their thoughts. And when you win an Irish Grand National, the job is very much done. Yeah, and he's only six, Kev. So obviously, he's a French horse. I think he's the first French horse to win the Irish Grand National as well. Um, okay. But did keep up. I've got a trend from Norval. Uh, Norval has supplied us with a trend saying that no horse has won the Irish Grand National off a weight of more than, what, 10 stone 13. Is that correct? So that trend has very much continued. I think, I think that you have to go back to the 1970s since okay. the horse has, has done that. Um, but given the fact that he's a French horse, his relative maturity for his age then makes sense when you think about the fact that that's where he's come from. Yeah, maybe so. You know, he'd run over fences um, quite early in his career there back when he was a three-year-old um, at the back end of his three-year-old year, as they often do in France. He came from Guillaume Macaire, who, you know, was well-established as being a, a, a serious source of talent from France, as well as a, um, a fine trainer in his own right. 
so yeah look he's just a really interesting horse you know for him to do this as a six-year-old is very impressive um if they did back him up quickly and run the the grade one novice chase and punches down i'm sure he'd be very competitive but um yeah it wouldn't be a surprise now if they if they take it easy with him with a view to next season well we have a correction and omission already bloody no <laughs> uh it was our duke carried 11 stone four to victory <laughs> so essentially what we're saying here is that it is a trend (laughs) to watch out for next year but only poor old our duke did it uh between now and the 1970s and our duke is an interesting case in point because we started thinking about the cheltenham gold cup for him and i remember doing a review of this race and there was a, a thought at the time from someone on the program that he was a better option for the Gold Cup next year than Sizing John. And ultimately, tragically, our Duke is no longer with us. Sizing John didn't get to defend his Gold Cup crown, which reminds you just how vulnerable these staying chasers can be. The quote from Ruby Walsh yesterday in the parade ring was, we'll have a crack at Tiger Roll next year. I doubt that's going to come in the cross country. I suspect that will be in the Grand National. But would you prefer to see them go to Grade One coming? The fact that you mentioned the Grade One novice at Punchestown already, would you prefer them to to take a crack at Grade One staying chases as opposed to the Grand National next year? I might nearly would. You know, the sportsman in would, pro- would probably prefer that because if you want to win a Grand National, you're going to spend all of next season minding this mark to get him there. You know, because he'll be he'll be off the low one fifties. He'll be high enough to get into it. You won't you won't want to go any higher. So what do you do with him? Do you, you can put him over hurdles. You know, you could keep him out, keep him back until the the second half of the season, until after the weights come out. You know, it's you'd have to give up a season to have a crack at it. And it's the and it's the national. You know, it's, it's very hard race to win. So I, if he's mine, I kick on and see see how he how he slots in. You know, he'd need to improve to be an open class grade one chaser clearly, but. Um, he's unexposed. He's young. He's imp- he's improving. Um, I give him a crack. And if he comes up short, you know the Grand National is always there as as a backup plan. Uh, with the presence of Tiger Roll, uh, presumably running, hopefully running in next year's Grand National, uh, that'll keep the weights uh, to keep keep the weights high for everything else. So um, the prospect of running in the National after mid one fifties um, or even one sixty might not be as intimidating as, as it would be in previous years I love hope and dreams quick mention for him because his second year finishing runner up uh, he came agonisingly close to winning the race last year there's plenty of life left in him yet oh yeah and he ran an absolute stormer to be fair um, Danny Mullins I was I was giving Danny a roar to be fair late on um, hit the crossbar again but thought he snuck the horse into the race beautifully and gave him absolutely every chance if he was good enough and um, as good as he was on the day, he just wasn't quite good enough. Um, so the second year in a row to finish second, um, both horse and rider. Um, but there you go. You know, just what just wasn't quite good enough on the day. Did absolutely nothing wrong in defeat, though. It's not going to be long though before Danny Mullins is is picking up a big Grade One prize. He does keep it in the crossbar, but all that hard work is going to be rewarded. Uh, what did you make of Paddy Kennedy's performance on Whisper in the Breeze? There was a lot of talk about this afterwards on on social media. Um, I, I thought it was quite interesting that Ruby Walsh was saying to Sally Ann afterwards on RTE that he turned to Johnny and said, hey, listen, we can't let Kennedy have that much rain up front. We can't let him continue to to be that far clear of us. 
and that they did eventually manage to, to go and close him down. But had he gone too far? Um, sure, look, it's hard to know. You know, analysis of these things will always be results-based and ultimately the horse finished tail off. But um, they did the same as a pairing in the Leopardstown chase at the Dublin Racing Festival and he held on and won. And look, ultimately the trip was probably the difference. This was over a mile further than that day at Leopardstown and maybe his stamina just gave up. Um, more so, you know, you look at rides like that, and sure, look at, as a race reader, kind of your first instinct is to say, oh, that doesn't look very efficient. But um, as mentioned, you know, he employed similar tactics at Leopardstown and it worked. So, um, you know, I don't want to knock him for it. He had a go. You know, you'd always admire a fella to make a, an enterprising move. Um, it had worked before for them. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be knocking Paddy. Um, he had a good crack and the horse wasn't up wasn't up to it on the day perhaps it was just stamina that caught him out that would be my thinking as well and if he's employed those tactics before and had a crack why not try the same thing again you may as well if it's not broken don't don't fix it uh, you had an interesting tweet before the race just the 12 runners for Gigginstown and it got a fairly interesting amount of traction as well Kev do you want to just give us your thoughts on seeing as Gigginstown have 12 runners in the Irish Grand National, and this is becoming a, a common theme, that you would like to see different silks introduced, similar to the flat and what the Coolmore team do? Um, yeah, look, it's one of those things, you know, personally, and it kind of inadvertently created a slightly different debate that tweet did in that um, a lot of the responses were along the lines of why well, they shouldn't be allowed run 12 in a race. Nonsense. Um, be, be it an owner, a trainer, um, or what have you. Personally, look, I can, I can see the, the thought behind that, but I think you'd be risking some very serious unintended consequences oh, for the, the, the sport and industry yeah. um, as a whole if you did something like that. If you're effectively telling um, the biggest investors in the sport that, well, we want you, but we don't want you that much, that you're going to have 12 runners in a national. Of course, it's a bit extreme to have 12 in a national, but those horses ultimately are on their spot. And it would be very ill-advised in my mind for the authorities to bring in a rule that says, right, you have a horse that's earned his way into the field. He's rated high enough. He's um, presumably suited by the prevailing conditions. You want to run him, but we're not going to let you because we don't We don't think it's right that you could have 12 runners. Um, wouldn't be for me now. Uh, I think... We're in a situation in National Hunt Racing now where we have um, two especially dominant owners in JP and Gigginstown. And while, you know, there was, there was an interesting, um, I suppose, set of facts put up on Twitter there by Dennis Coakley, who has some trainer, Dennis Coakley, who always has kind of strong views along th these lines. Um, three of the 33 declarations for the National, that includes three reserves. Um, there was only three of them not connected to Woody Mullins, Gordon Elliott, Gigginstown, or J.P. McManus. Um, and that, that's a pretty shocking fact. Um, but look, it's, it's kind of indicative of where we are in the sport. You know, you, you, it's easy to kind of get all sentimental and say, oh, what about the good old days when the small man had a chance? But look, ultimately, we're in the position we're in because the small man, um, in inverted commas, is more than willing to sell their horses to the big men when they come knocking. Um, you know the market for national hunt horses is, is illogically strong at the minute. You know for for animals that, in terms of a potential return on investment, you know they're a horrendous investment. You know even more so than flat horses. Um, the fact that you know four hundred grand is being paid for point to pointers and so on, 
you know that spread the, the that spread the situation we have where you know again in inverted commas you know smaller trainers smaller owners it's very difficult for them to turn down the sort of money that's that's bandied about for horses that show um, promise on the race course so if you want to go down the road of restricting the likes of JP and Gignestown running in, in the biggest races like the Irish National, you risk uh, souring them to the game. And if we ever got to a day where Gignestown and JP walked away from national hunt racing, mm. um, those people that were calling for such restrictions would very, very quickly realize the error of their ways. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it's a free market. Um, that you know to get to a point where you have 12 horses uh, good enough fit and sound to run in an Irish Grand National takes a mind-blowing amount of investment and commitment to the sport and and that spreads around that spreads around all over the country and if I just I think I can you can see why people make these suggestions but I would just you know, without wanting to sound patronising, I think people should maybe think a small bit deeper about it before they go down that road because the, the unintended consequences, potential unintended consequences for moves like that would just have seriously negative ramifications for the sport in Ireland. And, uh, you know, we'd be risking going back to the days where, where there's not a whole lot of good horses in this country because all the money uh, to buy them is would be coming from England rather than the likes of JP and Gigginstown who support Irish racing so well. Uh, so just be careful what you wish for, lads. It might not look, it might not be the best visual spectacle to have um, twelve of the of the thirty runners in the Irish Grand National in maroon and white, but um, they've paid their money. They're taking their chance. Personally, I've no issue with it. My only suggestion was that, in terms of making it a, an easier spectacle on the eye, um, and make the job a bit easier for for the poor old commentators. Like there was a few, there was a few in that race yesterday. Um, I'll get I'll get up the exact ones. So it was, it was. Um, oh, where's my head gone? It was Ark Richt uh, for Joseph and Woods Well, and they both had. I think what officially it was a light blue cap and a grey cap with like a light grey cap with blue spots or something. And good luck if you're trying to differentiate them. Like they're very very similar, and if the likes of Richard Pugh are having to really, really work out, you know, Richard was interviewed before the race in RT and he's talking about, you know, having to take note of, you know, breast skirts and the color of the horse and their facial markings. Like if, if the a commentator whose, whose job it is to do that sort of thing, if he has to study to that extent to work out what's what, you know, what hope does Johnny down the betting office have in, in following his, his Irish few quid around the place? You know, I, I, I think we could probably, and it, you know, this isn't. And the suggestion wasn't a knock on Gignestown or JP or anyone else. It's just it, it happens to apply to them more so than anyone else because they have the numbers. If you can bring in a situation where, um, for every three runners you have, you have to change the body of the silks, um, I just think it would make for a better visual spectacle. It would make it a little bit easier for everyone to to follow what's going on. Um, some of the, the negative comment on the tweet machine about it was, well, look, you know, an owner is entitled for their horse to run in their colours. Um, you know, and of course, owners would be very proud of their colours, and ideally, they'd want to have a winner in their colours rather than their second string colours. But you know, sometimes we just have to take a small bit of a look at the bigger picture and make decisions that that benefit everyone or the majority of people rather than the minority. And um, it, it was just a suggestion. Um, it started a bit of a debate. I didn't, didn't think it would, but um, I think it would be a relatively simple thing to do. 
um, Mick O'Leary might complain about having to pay a few bob for the, the, the few new sets of silks, but uh, I think I think I think he'd get over it. You know, you look at it, the, the example I gave, and I know it's not a fully um, a, a fully comparable one, but you know, when one is to run in the the Magna colours, you know, you've got the na- the plain navy, the plain pink, the plain light grey. And if there's if there's three of each there, then they've three different caps. But it's, it's just a lot easier rather than having nine navy with nine different caps. You know, it's just yeah. it's just not it's just not easy. It's not easy. But anyway, just a suggestion, lads. Relax. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I completely agree with you, and I think it's important that the Magner comparison is made as opposed to the full Coolmore, because obviously, Gigginstown, it's not Michael Leary in partnership with. Derek Smith and Michael Tabor, and so you can get their colours involved as well. But when Excellent Art won the St. James's Palace Stakes, I don't remember John Magner going, oh no, it's Jamie in the pink silks. Oh dear. Like, he's a grade one winner. You know, it's a group one at Royal Ascot. They don't care. They're just delighted. They're all in the photo, and the horse's stallion career is effectively sealed. Like, yeah, do you remember um, Alam Shara beating Dalakani? He had, we, we don't see them anymore. Do you remember he had the the hooped colours? He did the old Agakan colours. Yeah, yeah, it was quite cool. Like, like it's it's not that big a deal, really, is it? I can't imagine Michael O'Leary would be getting worked up about the fact that he, you know, his winner of the Irish National had to wear, you know, the reverse of his normal silks. For for example, That's what like, I, was I think actually it'd um, be white and um, maroon star. Yeah, I'm fairly sure. It could be wrong. I'm fairly sure that um, Eddie O'Leary's colours, um, they, they, they run in um, his wife Wendy's name. I'm fairly sure they're they're the reverse of the Gigginstown colours, um, as in white with a maroon star. So I think they're taken, <laughs> but you know it doesn't really matter. You know, come up with a come up with a second set of silks. Come up with a third set of silks. Um, whatever ones you like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, you've you've um, mentioned an interesting thing there too about Eddie O'Leary's wife having horses in training. If you were to implement this ridiculous notion that okay, we're putting a limit, and this has been floated in the UK as well, we're putting a limit on the amount of horses that an owner can have in a race. Well, then they just transfer the horse to their wife or to yeah. their brother. It'd be yeah. a farcical situation. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's funny enough, it's, it's, it'd be the same concern I'd have is if you went down the road of, you know, creating uh, races confined to trainers that only had, you know, 20 winners in the previous year or something. You'll get the same sort of messing going on. Um, you know, it, in, in competitive situations, people will take, um, will, will open any loopholes that are there. So for me, it's it's always, for me, in my mind, it's always been a complete non-starter that all, any of those suggestions uh I, I i can't imagine they'd ever be given uh serious thought by the authorities but but who knows but it, it's no harm to have the conversation but um for me it's it's a fairly short conversation even though i've probably made a, a, a good fist of making a long conversation by babbling on there for 10 minutes yeah it's, it's not a fairly short conversation from your perspective kevin at all um speaking of the big man uh, dominating racing and the little man not doing too well well, the small man said no to an absolute fortune for Rashan a few years ago. And there he is. He's 80 years of age, the owner. And there's the horse winning a grade two while he is off at his brother's 70th birthday. <laughs> there must have been some session after Rashan won uh, under Davy Russell for Colin Kidd. This was, this was lovely to see. 
Uh, this horse has been a great story all along and look you know with the old hard head on like not a great great two but it doesn't matter you know geez this horse it's always brilliant when this horse wins for that reason you said and you know to, to go back to the original conversation you know it's just it's very unusual for inverted commas again small connections to refuse money to refuse the money and they would have been offered an awful lot of money for this horse when he was a juvenile um, juvenile hurdler and they turned it down and look he's not a superstar but for them I've absolutely no doubt he's a superstar he's won a, a couple of grade twos um, you know he, he's brought them to so many big days through his career and um, I couldn't have had him on my mind I thought it was a fairly lifeless effort for him on the flat um, earlier in the week um, or, or the, the previous week I should say um, but it didn't matter he bounced back over hurdles here and um, really, really good. He, look, he looked as good as ever, and it's just—it just remains a great story. You know, you want to talk about the the people's horse and this type of thing, the people's race and that type of thing. But this fella, while he isn't a superstar um, in the greater scheme of of national hunt racing, he's—you know—this would be as good a people's horse in terms of a story as you ever get. You know, it's fantastic. Did you hear Ted Walsh talk about the fall of Wicklow Brave? I did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic Ted. <laughs> Just for those who didn't, uh, this is Ted on RT Racing shortly after Wicklow Brave has come down. First of all, this is a stupid horse because he's after getting three of these in his life and he got mothers and fathers of fathers and doesn't seem to be able to learn the first. Watch him here now. He just steps straight in. Look at him. Now, what a brain dead so and so he is. Like, he's after doing that three or four times. You'd imagine if you're walking out the door and you got a slap for two or three times, you go to some other door. He, he's stupid. <laughs> Sally Ann, your connections. <laughs> Uh, Ted Walsh telling like it is, I guess, to be fair. fair. Ask a man for his opinion and he gives it. You can't really Uh, slack him for it. Yeah, I I enjoyed that. And, you know, and and look, Ted has worked with horses all his life. And anyone that does work with horses will tell you that their their lack of brains can be a great source of frustration at times. (laughs) They're... uh, their capacity to learn isn't always as good as we'd like it to be. And uh, in Wicklow Brave's case, it was a stupid fall, really. Yeah. Um, complete, completely miscalculated it and, and landed on top of us. But um, wonderful horse, Wicklow Brave. It goes without saying, but, um, <laughs> you know, you got to love punditry like that, don't you? It's just... And in, this, in, this, in this day and age, you'll, you'll get some flutes rearing up about it, I'm sure, taking offence on behalf of, 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 of the horse. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's honest punditry. He gave his view and it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I have to say, I really liked it. I also liked the escape of Andy Dufresne before the bumper. Andy Dufresne. And Andy Dufresne, <laughs> as Kevin Blake called him famously. <laughs> back, in, back in a few podcasts ago. <laughs> yeah, I'll never live that one down. Never. Um, just, for, just for the record, I did a few days after that go back and watch the Shawshank Redemption for the first time in probably 15 years and you know the way and and I'd pretty much forgotten how it ended like it had been that long I was quite young when I watched it and I almost went into it kind of expecting to be disappointed because sometimes with those films that are kind of cult hits you know they're not always as good as you know society has conditioned (laughs) conditioned you to think that they were that they are but uh geez it's some film really good really 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 good it's very enjoyable (laughs) it is one of the best films of all time and to be fair i remember you whatsapping me saying i'm i'm watching andy 
Defresne. Uh, yeah, pay, pay, paying my penance. <laughs> pay, paying my penance, but no, it's, it's fantastic. So yeah, Andy Dufresne found in the sewers outside Fairy House um, as he <laughs> made his escape from Gordon Elliott's clutches. Uh, <laughs> freedom! For the £400,000 purchase. Uh, and Lisa Neal was on the very expensive horse, but it went to Golden Spread. We can leave it at that, I think. Uh, the Holy One delivered, finally. Oh, God. Second win. <laughs> Uh, Paddy Kennedy and Jess Carrington have a fine time of it for Paddy Kennedy these days. French made Kev. I really like this performance. Um, a horse who made a bad mistake in the Triumph Hurdle. Paul Townend accepted his fate, and that benefit was seen to great effect here as he got the better, or she got the better, I should say, under Ruby Walsh of Gardens of Babylon and Curse Sublime. Gardens of Babylon came with a wet sail, but Ruby had just done enough. Yeah, to be fair to French Maid, like this was a good step forward and she was just sharper than, than the runner up. You know, she was able to travel, she was able to jump and, and she put the race to bed there in, in the closing stages. Whereas Gardens of Babylon just didn't travel as well and jump as well as she did and um, got a little bit boxed up there on the inside. And, and, and when he got into open country, he just hung a bit right. And, you know, he took a bit of sorting out and he, he's finished off very strong. But um, when you, you, you need to be a really good one to do as much wrong as he did and still win a grade two. Um, he, he, he remains a, a lovely horse. And, um, you know, going up in trip, I'd say, will we'll play to his strengths in due course. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'll take nothing away from the winner now. Um, she's quite unexposed herself, um, has less miles on the clock than Gardens of Babylon. And um, hopefully she'll she'll go forward from that again. But it was just I just I thought the sh- her sharpness on the day was was just key. And Gardens of Babylon just didn't wasn't as sharp, and, and it cost them. It was a frustrating race to watch. Now, if you were with Gardens of Babylon, because you just get the impression that on, on another day he he could beat her. Um, but there you go. That's racing. Um, she did everything right and got her reward. I thought it was a, a fantastic performance tomorrow. Just how. Do you think she'll be campaigning next season, Kev? Because we've seen this year how difficult it can be for the four-year-olds to transition. So do, do you think, in a way, that's her champion hurdle? Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't think... Let, let me just see how they put it up. Because I don't think she'll be overly burdened in terms of an official rating. You know, she she had the Phillies allowance there and she's beaten the horse rate at 140, who probably ran there thereabouts to that so she won't be rated so high that you know good handicaps aren't an option to her and there's a very good mayor's program there to be fair so that's probably the more likely route um she'll go down have they given her rating they've given her a rating of 136 you know so that's not overly burdensome you know the fact that she's won a grade two um might make it a small bit tricky for her in terms of penalties but there's a good ma- good mayor's program there so they could, that's probably their two options you, you go kind of pot hunting around the mayor's races until the spring or you go and try and win a big handicap with her in, in the first half of next season off, off a mark that being being high enough to get her into probably more more than the not but not being too high that you know she'll be overly burdened so maybe that's the way to go with her i'm just thinking aloud um those would be the no one Willie is probably going to be the mayor's route I'd say up until the springtime okay makes perfect sense uh, Jet took the grade two Kev beating the storyteller 
uh, it was a return to form for him and a welcome one, um, but also a fine performance for Jessica Harrington. So she's had a brilliant Fairy House Festival. Yeah, Jessica Harrington is flying. And again, maybe not this well, not the strongest grade two. And uh, the storyteller, hard to think that he brought his real A game. Typical kind of back end of spring race now. You know, fair few disappointments. Hard to put your finger on the level. But Jet did his job and, and, and he's a grade two winner now. So, um, you know, the half the, the half the key to this thing is having the horses in there to give us to give them a chance to capitalize, even if it looks like they have a, a bit of a chunk to find. Um, an awful lot of horses will run below themselves um, in the springtime. And then Jet was there in the race in top form and he capitalized. All right, that'll pretty much do it so for this Sunday. Uh, a welcome return to the winner's enclosure in Grade 1 Company for the absolute gentleman of the game, Graham Wiley, and a, a welcome return of luck as well for him. Ruby Walsh chose Voidarev, and he delivered. He'd fallen at the Cheltenham Festival uh, and completed a 1-2 here for Willie with Real Steel back in second. It's been... Uh, disappointing return again, Kev, for for Winter Escape, um, and Mengli Khan. I was kind of surprised Mengli Khan was as short a price as he was the night before. He was he was the overnight favourite. Um, this was much more like it from Voidarev. It's too hard to know what he would have done in the JLT, but this was a lovely performance and great for Graham Wiley to be back in the winners' enclosure with a proper horse. Yeah, look, first and foremost, you'd you'd just be delighted for Graham. He's had a rotten couple of months. Um, in terms of losing horses and it was great to see him get a grade one winner here again uh, look this horse he wouldn't have been jumping out at you as a horse that wanted to go further earlier in the season he's quite a he can be quite a free goer but he has relaxed as the season has gone on and um, uh, and look he, he put it together and got the job done um, Real Steel probably ran reasonably close to his mark he ran a good solid race winter escape disappointing Mengli Khan has been busy and maybe that just caught up with him. Um, and you'd have to give a word as well for Cuba Mania, who is a smashing horse. And uh, to lose him was a real sickness for all involved. Oh, they, they, they interviewed his syndicate beforehand now. And yeah, you, you put a bit of a dampener on the race for me now. But, Terrible. But, but, but there you go, unfortunately. Frightening. Um, and it's just, it's just so easy, Kev. Like as big as horses are, they're a very, very vulnerable animal. And um, I thought that was very well handled uh, after Sir Eric, actually, when um, the head of veterinary services was interviewed. And he talked about how, look, if a horse suffers a severe leg injury, that's it. There's, you know, a horse can't stand on three legs. Um, And and we saw that attempt with uh, the Kentucky Derby winner um, a few years ago. Who was Barbaro? Barbaro, yeah. Who who was also bred by the the breeders of George Washington, and they did everything they could to save him, and just it just couldn't be done. It's it's terribly sad, but um, particularly sad for for the horses' connections. Uh, Honeysuckle for Rachel Blackmore is her first Irish Grade One, and Rachel just goes from success to success to success. She's an award-winning jockey, a brilliant Cheltenham Festival. And um, she looks set for a fantastic Punchestown as well. This was this was a, a cracking performance. Yeah, this was great. Now you know, obviously, it was was very well fancied for the mare's novice at Cheltenham when a late setback ruled her out, and, and this was her compensation. And she she really took it and, and went and beat the horse that that won at Cheltenham. Um, 
Eglantine Dossoy, as someone might say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and beat her, beat her well. This was a good performance. You'd have to be excited about her. Um, it'll be fascinating to see what road they go down with her next season. But um, look, she's she's a great fun winner now. She's you know she's won a point to point. Um, God, you that you'd have to be excited over her now. She looks really versatile with regard to trip. Um, I think they have her in the the grade one at Punchestown, but it'll I assume it'll depend on how she is in the next week or so before they make that decision. But yeah, she's she's just a very good mare. Um, great to see Henry get get a real good one again, and um, and yeah, you you just have to be very excited about her, wouldn't you? Absolutely, it's been quite enough, hasn't it, for for Henry? So this is a this is a. a um, I wouldn't say that now, but you know he's he's having a very good season. I think I think this might have been his 100 winner of the season in between Ireland and England. You know, so he's having his best ever season. It's just in terms of the quality um, star, stars. Yeah. You know, everyone needs a star. You know, he had Ornua win the win the grade one at Aintree, but um and a Plutarcher, who knows how good he could be. But you know, the likes of the likes of Manali maybe haven't pushed forward this season like, like he hoped they would. So, you know, I think this this one could be a real standard bearer bearer for him now going forward. Um, and Jay, you'd have to be excited about her. Yeah, and we'll see a Plutard at the Punchestown Festival as well, where he may very well be clashing with Delta Work. So we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what exactly it is they go and do. Um, Punchestown coming up thick and fast as well. Um, Galilean managed to go and, and win beating Mr. Everest in the maiden hurdle. Tell us a little bit about this horse for Joseph. He would have been with Aiden. Yeah, to be fair to him, he's just kind of improved with each start over hurdles. There's probably still more for him to learn. Um, you know, his jumping was still a little bit novicey early on, especially. So uh, I think as the as the penny continues to drop with him, he'll be better again. And he was good and strong up the run in. You know, he'll get a bit further, I'd say. So, yeah, good, good, satisfactory performance. Happy enough, but not exactly to the point where you're going completely bananas. Well, look, it's a, it's a late season maiden hurdle. You know, he's probably run to somewhere in the maybe a one thirty to win it, probably less. You know, so you, you know you have to keep yourself a bit <laughs> on the ground a little bit. You know, to be it'll be tougher days ahead for him. Okay, anything else that you'd like to highlight at Ferry House? We are recording on Tuesday while racing is on, but today's racing isn't exactly of the greatest of caliber. So I, I think we can we can skip that anyway in terms of reviewing. Um, we didn't have time to record uh, our traditional Ferry House preview because both of us were too busy. So uh, anything else from any of the supporting races that you'd like to highlight? Um, I should you give Uhtred a bit of a shout out. One, the, the big sales bumper on his debut um, for Joseph and he kind of had to overcome a, a fair bit of uh, adversity to do so. He got ham- he got he kind of got shuffled back early, was further back than than was planned and then got hampered with all that carnage kind of at halfway had to switch all around them and you know finished off really strongly to win you know hard to put your finger on how strong the form might be but in terms of what he did and um, it was really impressive well you know and, why uh, that was impressive now don't you go on because he's bred by jane mangan and there you go yeah jimmy and jane <laughs> um yeah joseph at bottom is a foal actually so he's he's been around for a long time but 
Um, you know, it's just it's a tough ask for for a horse doing a maiden a, a bumper like that first time. Yeah. Um, big big fields. You know, they they generally come off the hill need, needing experience, and um, and he learned loads in, in victory. Now, you know, should really it should really stand to him. And you know, she, you couldn't hope for a better start, really. Um, Tom Hamilton, uh, you know, while it didn't go to plan, he adjusted very well, and uh, and made sure the horse learned plenty along the way as well. So it was a great result. And another notable victory for Fame and Glory as well. Right. Nothing else to talk about, so on the jumps front. So we're going to switch to the flat. And uh, we will be talking about the jumps again, of course, with the Punchestown Festival not too far away. I did just see a note on Twitter that says Gordon Elliott is on the brink of the million pound mark um, with more Perth victories. So there you go, Gordon Elliott having a stellar season even though he might not be quite headed for the trainers championship in ireland but um he continues to just basically leather in the winners uh as did that's uh, that's the million quid mark in england yeah million quid mark in england well tiger roll will have helped considerably on that front in fairness but um that's quite something to be fair uh kevin blake banging in the winners as well waters meet seven to one in the all weather marathon championship live on sky sports racing uh tickaboo my friend well done uh what did you make of his performance uh brilliant performance great for him he's he's been around a long time he'd been placed in this race and the previous two years had just been nutted in it um, the year before so this he wasn't out of turn here this was and I went kind of wrong you know I, I fancied him on the basis that I thought he'd, he'd get a good run of the race and um, you know up towards the front end in what I was expecting to be a quite steadily run race it was steadily run but he'd missed the kick so he kind of he was back in mid-div um, but a mad the kind of very well fancied French horse um, you know, Christoph Sumihan kind of took the bull by the horns and made his headway very early, um, having missed the kick himself and probably just paid the price for that late on. Whereas, you know, Joe Fanning gave Waters meat a, a very patient ride and let Sumihan uh, use up all that petrol down the side of the track while Waters meat was being saved. And, and that made a big difference late on. So um delighted for Waters meat, uh, not just because uh, I'd went with him, but, you know, he's he's been around a long time. And uh, for him to get a win on the, the biggest day in, in British all-weather racing uh, is a great career highlight for him. It certainly is. It was a fantastic victory. And final furlong podcast punters were in clover. Uh, also, it was very good that Vanessa Ryle had skipped putting him in and doing the treble. <laughs> and that she went for the double instead. Because obviously, oh no, oh, the double. Oh, what a disaster. Vanessa Ryle, someone said she could, what was it, stop a, she could stop an avalanche and uh, <laughs> that she should head off skiing soon to try her skills. Somebody said that to her on Twitter. Uh, so we'll, we'll skip straight ahead to Catchy, just because I want to talk about George Bowen, really. But uh, <laughs> Catchy got sent off 9-4 to four on in the end, which tells you, as Lynchy was saying on the preview, just how highly regarded he was for this and just kind of how high, highly he was ahead in terms of his ratings. Um, but George Bone has run an absolute stormer here as well. But, but catchy to start, to give him his dues. This was a terrific performance from him, but a lovely performance as well from George Bone. Yeah, I should look catchy as a weapon of war. 
you know, around the bend. He's absolutely deadly. He's so fast. And, you know, he's not always razor sharp at the gates, but geez, when he hits him, he hits him. And he was away and gone uh, very, very quickly. And, you know, blistering display of, display of speed on a track that was riding, you know, s- slow by all accounts. Um, this was a, a great performance. You know, very hard horse to beat uh, around the bend. Um, when he when he hits the lids, you know, he just has so much pace. He kills horses mid race um, with the pace he shows, and um, and yeah, just just a big big effort. Uh, I wonder whether he got to stud somewhere at some stage. There'd be a job there for him. He's by Kalachi. Um, he, I don't. He doesn't have a. An electric pedigree, I don't think. I think it's fair to say, but it's very much a sprint pedigree, and I'm sure he'd do a job um, for 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 someone and for for many breeders around the place that want speed because, by God, he's fast um, and he's and he's durable and he, he's just admirable in, in many many ways. You'd love to see him run, and I think it's been put to the owner before, and he doesn't fancy it. You'd love to see him run in a in a Breeders' Cup turf sprint um, around a bend or. Or there's probably a race for him. the the race the the big sprint in Hong Kong, as well. You know, just just round that bend seems to be key for him. You know, he's perfectly capable of running in a straight in on a straight track, but he just he tends to lean a bit um, and edge across the track in those straight tracks. Whereas round a bend, um, not only does it really suit him, but it just it really accentuates his his. his pace because he gets up there on the rail um so you know but naturally some of his pursuers will have to go a bit wider to try and chase him down and uh yeah he's just he's just a deadly horse um georgie so that was as good as could have been expected really you know if catchy was on song you know george was uh, george and the rest were, were always going to be uh, facing a bit of an uphill climb but he ran great he beat the rest with loads to spare and um, despite things not going perfectly for him so yeah, look, he continues in in tip top form. Uh, his connections were in great form. Um, I think the chat is he's going to go for the Duke of York uh, there in a few weeks, which would be absolutely brilliant if that happens. Um, finally, back in stakes company, I'll be a Group Two company. <laughs> um, so yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, I'll be over there for that as well. So yeah, <laughs> they're only running this horse. Um, uh, uh, when it's been shown on terrestrial TV, I think it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're not complaining about, Kev. You're all right no, with that. No. <laughs> uh, particularly with a foal on the ground that's uh, a half-brother to him. So if if we happen to, to get some Group 2 uh, black type there, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll, we'll take that. Yeah, I was hoping she was actually going to foal before Georgie ran. She was ready to pop there for a few days, but she... She uh, she waited a little bit afterwards. She gave birth to a, a very happy and healthy colt uh, by Star Spangle Banner there um, early on Saturday morning. So she's uh, added, added another one to the brood now. Uh, eight foals, seven colts. <laughs> and can you confirm for us, Kevin, that Sheikh Mohammed was there three o'clock Saturday examining the foal? Yeah, he was actually. I can confirm that, but it's just unfortunate because... Um, <laughs> Sheikh Mohammed actually has way less money than Sheikh Mohammed, <laughs> so it's not nearly as exciting as you might think. 
yeah. He, uh, he's just, he, he, he's he just gets, some fella from up the road. He gets, he gets through some, some, some mighty doors open for Sheikh Mohammed, but unfortunately, those that are opening the doors don't realise that he hardly has five shillings to his name, and he isn't actually Sheikh Mohammed, uh, the much better, no, the much better known um, Emirati leader. Yes, the uh, <laughs> the Minister for Defence and ruler of Dubai. Uh, <laughs> Right, Vanessa Royal's double then. It couldn't go wrong. It couldn't possibly go wrong. It went horribly wrong. Uh, Wickerson gets thrashed in the end by Matterhorn for Mark Johnston and Joe Fanning. This was quite a performance from the Son of Ravens Pass. Um, and to be fair, you can't really make too many excuses for the second. Maybe you will want to, but let's talk about this performance first of all, uh, because the winner was brilliant. He was, you know, and, and to be fair, he'd been brilliant on his penultimate start, um, winning a handicap at Kempton off a mark of 107 by like 95 lengths, and the runner-up had come out and won his next two, you know, so it, doing the same thing, you know, well, much the same thing, made all and, and just uh, won by a distance of ground. Um, he'd been very disappointing the time before at Kempton, but the, the excuse was very clear there. You know the the sectional times told you that they went they went too hard. He was he was um, harried for the lead that day at Kempton and just blew out. Um, you know the track record was nearly lowered that day by by Muta Sadir, and it was it was excusable. And he got right back on track here, and this was deadly. You know on the clock it was deadly. Um, you know again on a day where. Uh, the trap was riding a bit slow. He put up a serious time. And look, I don't think we saw the best of Wissa Hicken. Mm. Uh, far from it. But even at Wissa Hicken's very best, he might have needed to put up a career best to cope with Matterhorn on this day. Um, with Wissa Hicken, look, he didn't get any cover. He was strung out wide. I don't know if the, the slow track would have played to his strengths. Um, it just seemed a little bit flat. Um, didn't seem himself. He is a horse that can hit flat spots but just didn't spark uh, as we, we might have expected him to. Um, I'd love to see a rematch between these two another day. We, might, we probably won't get to see it, but um, two very good horses still. And, you know, while Wissa Hicken has done it on turf already and it would be fascinating back on turf, Matterhorn, I suppose, has to go and prove it because I think nine of his ten runs have been on the all-weather, so we just don't know. Um, how he'll cope with turf but he's a real fluid moving horse that tries very hard there's no reason to think that he won't be effective on, on turf he's from the same family as Ribchester um, and others it's a very nice family all of which were very effective on turf so um, I wouldn't have any obvious reason to suggest he wouldn't you know it's just the fact that he hasn't done it would make you wonder but um, he hasn't had the opportunity and uh, he could be a very very good horse Matterhorn I wouldn't underestimate him now uh, when he when he inevitably turns up in in you know listed or group company on turf next time because he, he looks very good yeah the irony was that yourself and Lynchy were, were saying that you hoped Wicca Hisson would win this race and then go on and be a real flag bearer for the all weather on the turf and actually could be Matterhorn because yeah, as, as you said it, the vast majority of his racing you know 95% of his racing has been on on 90%. the weather 90% 99.5% of his racing has been on uh, the all weather and Sorry, uh, I couldn't resist <laughs> 
I just said what everybody at home was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and to be fair, you are correct. Uh, but it, it would be interesting to see if he is able to then do it on turf or if he follows in the footsteps of some of the winners in the past who haven't quite gone on uh, to do it. I'm looking at you, Victory, Bond, and Convey, but we'll, we'll see. Um, they, they look two very good horses. I was interested in the fact that Wizahikin was going to go to Dubai for the Shima Classic and his blood was wrong. And You just wonder if perhaps, even though he's been sent off three on, maybe his, his preparation wasn't exactly ideal in hindsight. <laughs> Ah, not, it wouldn't have been a hundred percent ideal, but I'm sure it kind of would have been ninety nine point nine percent. I'd imagine, unless he took a while to get over that, but um, yeah, he had plenty of time. Mm. So I, I wouldn't like to be rolling around making excuses for him, but I, I'm still quite comfortable to say that it wasn't him. It wasn't the very best of him. So yeah, we we look out for them too. The next time they're both still very exciting. And he's surrounded by horses rated 104 and 100 while he's being hammered by Matterhorn. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say he didn't run his best. But at the same time, uh, don't want to take too much away from Mark Johnson's horse because I'd rather he didn't write a blog slagging us off. Uh, Pizzicato takes the three-year-old all-weather conditions sprint over six furlongs. Um, great result for pizza fans everywhere and uh, a big win for Christophe Sumion. Yeah, they went hard in front here and it set up for those coming from off the pace. Christoph Sumion was full of confidence. Uh, and Piscatato. Now that where we're going, Piscatato? There we go. Piscatato. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he, he was good to be fair. You know, it didn't didn't win as readily as it seemed like he might have furlong out, but um, but won um under a confident Christoph. And uh, you know, I really like the runner up. I thought the runner up ran a great race. Really liked him as a type, you know, geez, he tried hard and um, was a little bit closer. While he was off the, the, the strong gallop, he was closer to it than the winner uh, and was put in the race earlier. And he just, you would have for him to fold now, but he really tried, I thought, and made a race with all the way to the line. And he's a progressive horse in his own right. And I, I, I wouldn't, I'd like to be with him going forward now. I think he's a lovely horse. Okay. Uh, Depu- de- deputized, that deputized, is. Deputized, that is. James's Street was a, an each-way play for the podcast back in third. Um, 4.45, the all-weather champion sprint conditions, champions conditions stakes over a mile went to Oh, This Is Us from Indico. Oh, Jamie Lynch's nap of the day just nailed uh oh this is us uh who's actually out of a hawkwing mare woodman <laughs> um now this was two two good performances i thought from the first and second again the way the race played it, it favored those that were coming from off the pace and the two of them showed a good turn of foot, but just otis is us was just a little bit stronger and like otis is us is a classy horse you know unlucky you know in a group two in the park stakes to Doncaster back in September you know so the the chances were that if he could bring that level of form to here um, over this course and distance um, he'd be tough to beat and he got the, the strong pace he needs at to run at and, and got the job done um, Indico um, I thought ran very well less mile, much less miles on the clock than the winner um, ultimately had every chance but just couldn't quite match the winner's turn of foot but um, can go on from this he's really improved since he's got on the all-weather his arc of improvement has been quite sharp so I'd say to be more in him now and he could be one that you could see coming back to this day next year maybe 
Okay, and finally, for All Weathers Champions Day on Sky Sports Racing, the Ladbrokes All Weathers Phillies Mile and Mares Championship Condition Stakes went to Heavenly Holly, who I know we spent quite a bit of time talking about, and a winner of the day for <laughs> Ryan Moore. What's the race name again? <laughs> the Ladbrokes All Weathers Phillies and Mares Championship Condition Stakes? Did you say Phillies Mile? <laughs> I, I might have. At this stage, I might. At this stage, I'm in so much pain... I could have no, said true. anything. Bingo! I could have said anything, Kev. <laughs> uh, this was impressive. Uh, you know, she she was unexposed coming into the race. Um, she'd made the run in a couple of times prior to this, and you were just saying, right, oh, geez, will you be able to get anywhere near the lead from stall 12? Um, but Ryan Moore got her out and away, dictated, rode her to suit her best, and uh, and she ultimately won with a little bit to spare and there'd be a couple of others in behind that would love another crack I'd say with a bit more pace in the race mm. um, Silvery Mist probably chief amongst them but take nothing away from the winner she's only run five times and this was a good performance uh, Black Type will be the next um, objective for her I'd imagine and and she should go and get it uh, I liked her but she you know she had the run of the race but um, you know that's, I'm not going to use that to knock her, but I suspect she can step up another little bit uh, and get some black type in her book. Okay, speaking of black type, let's go and head back. Back in time, Kevin Blake. Uh, or Back to the Future, as RT were doing for their Irish Grand National coverage. To the Nell Gwynn stakes. And uh, we'll look at the Guinea's trial then as well at Newmarket. But we'll start with the Nell Gwynn stakes. It went to Roger Varian's Kabala. Uh, Philly by Scat Daddy, so... Big price tag alert, $300,000 fall. Surprise, surprise, being a scat daddy. Uh, two starts, two wins. What did you make of her performance and her prospects for the 1,000 guineas on the back of this? No, I like her. I've liked both her starts. Um, this was a, a real good step forward. Um, you know, she was coming in here, an inexperienced filly, um, which, you know, would be an obvious concern. You know, she she's got quite warm. She's missed the kick. And, you know, with those two things alone, you'd be saying, oh, God, you know, she's really uphill battle ahead of her here. But um, the way she went through the race was impressive. You know, came off the bridle early enough. But, you know, she was in heavy traffic and she picked her way through and was ultimately well on top. You know, she would have learned an awful lot from this now and shaped as though a step up to a mile will really suit her. I can 100% see why she's been you know elevated to the top of the thousand guineas market in what is uh prepare your bingo buttons there lads a windy renewal um on paper at this stage um so yeah look i, I wouldn't like to knock her too much now i'd like to see her a little bit sharper at the gate um she was she was worse away here than she was on her debut i'm sure roger will will use the time what little time he has between now and new markets maybe get her a small bit sharper at the gates just because you don't need to be giving up a head start in the classic. Um, but yeah, she looks to have all the tools now. Um, clearly more will be needed against um, you know, a stronger band of fillies in the 1,000 guineas. But she's only had two goals. There should be a good bit of improvement left in her. And all that experience on the Roly Mile, both of her starts have been on that. You know, can only stand to her. Um, so yeah, look, it ticks plenty of boxes. Um, she's probably short enough now, but I can see why she's fab. 
She's seven to two as I look here on at the races across the board. There are a couple of bookmakers who are going four to one, but that's the general price. And she's even as short as threes. Hang your heads in shame. Uh, is she too short a price, Kev, at this stage? Um, she looks a bit short. Look, she'll have to improve more um, to get to where she needs to be. But all the potential is there. But you know, when you've proven Group One fillies. Um, that are significantly bigger prices than her. Um, I, I'm not going to knock anyone for taking her on and, and going taking the, an each way option against her. But um, you know she does have a bit of uh, a bit of X factor about her at the minute, and we know markets love X factor. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Aidan O'Brien and the Coolmore team were full of praise for Leopardstown last year, in the fact that they upped the Guineas trial from seven furlongs to a mile. They didn't really run their big guns this time around, though. Last year, it seemed on paper as though they did with Gustav Klimt and, and a few others. Um, but in terms of this year, 1,000 guinea sources, first time up for Aiden. I think it's only the one winner, and that's the exceptional magical. Um, do you like the chances of Fairyland and Just Wonderful, or which of the two would you prefer? Um, I wouldn't be bullying about either of them now. I really like Fairyland, but I just don't know if she'll stay. Um, just wonderful, you know, is, is, is a, she's a grand filly that'll ride her quiet. Um, just, I wouldn't, just wouldn't be singing and dancing about her now. And like you say, historically, um, with Aidan O'Brien's fillies going to the one, you're statistically much better off with one that's had a run mm. than one that's going straight there. So it's just worth bearing in mind. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and we will talk about that in, with a view to the 2000 guineas after we discuss uh, the winner of the 2000 guineas trial, um, who is Scadadu for William Craven. Haggis. Craven, uh, obviously, yes, but the 2000 guineas trial, the Craven at Newmarket. Uh, two starts at Newmarket. Both on the Roly Mile, both victories for Scaradu, who's by Shamadal, um, who skipped the 2000 guineas but won the French version and the St. James's Palace Stakes. He was a mighty, mighty horse. Uh, William Haggis looks to have a right tool on his hands here. Yeah, very similar profile to Cabala in many ways. Um, came in here lacking experience, um, but overcame it and looked learned plenty along the way. Was, you know, jumped from the gates fine, but was dropped in, They you know, understandably. I'd imagine they they came into this saying right, educate, 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 and if uh, if he can go close, brilliant. But we want him to have a good experience here that he'll benefit from and come forward from. And um, and he got he got all the pie. He he got his education and he won the race as well. So I'm sure they were absolutely thrilled. Um, you know, had, had to come through traffic traffic, but ultimately came widest of all and picked up well. Um, and you know it was was. He had to fight. You know, he's only won a neck in the end from from a horse rated ninety, um, albeit one that's you know probably improving. Um, I you you would wonder about the level. You would wonder about the level. Um, Royal Marine hasn't run up to his best. I think it's fair to say, mm. fair to assume. Um, you know, being being a Group One winner, but perhaps hasn't come up to that level or anywhere near it. So I wouldn't be as jiggy about Scardu as as I would. Um, Kabbalah but look he's only had two spins he's won both he's learned a lot here and has definite scope to come forward but like Kabbalah he'll face tougher um, more hardened opposition in the 2000 guineas and you know he'll need to up his game again but look again just like Kabbalah all the potential for him to do so is there 
And uh, if you do believe in Scardu, I think you're getting a much more, um, you're, you're certainly getting a fairer price than you are about Kabbalah at the moment. Yeah, Royal Marine, it was an odd race he ran. Are you surprised that they're similar enough prices? Scardu is 6 to 1, he's 6 to 1, essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Look, Scardu, as, as mentioned, he has he has all the potential to uh, to go on and, and be better than this. Um, whereas, you know, Royal Marine has, has a fair bit to prove now in my book, to yeah, be honest. I, I would have thought so. Uh, the other point to make about this, of course, is that while Edna O'Brien's record with Phillies first time out in the 1,000 guineas isn't brilliant, his record with Colts is exceptional. Yeah, in their first run of the so, season yeah. And just whatever way they're trained. And now with the news that John Gosden's too darn hot is out of the 2,000 guineas, and this is something that you were highlighting not too long ago, Kevin, to be careful to play it safe uh, it's now 10 sovereigns who heads the betting at 3 to 1 as your best price and you're shopping around to get that it's only with two firms and Magna Grisha who you put up at 12 to 1 on the podcast now looking very very nice for us at fives of the two who are you more interested in? Oh, I should look I'd still be a Magna Grisha nothing's changed really you know in terms of their relative merits um Yes, we'll see what happens between now and then. You know, jockey bookings will be important to see uh, which way the market will move from here. So well, it didn't. You know, you, it, that didn't have an effect last year. Dunica rode Saxon Warrior and won, and the horse didn't really move too much in the market. Yeah, sure. I suppose Ryan Moore was in America, wasn't he? So yeah, it um it kind of threw it off a bit. But um yeah, sure. Look, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's. It's hard to be very bullish about these horses having their first start of the season, but you know I'd, I'd still favour Magna Grisha, but only just. Just before I get your thoughts on Too Darn Hot, uh, the fact that Ten Sovereigns was actually a bigger price than Magna Grisha before Too Darn Hot came out, and then all of a sudden that changed. Do you read anything into that? Um, no, I don't ever read too much into these markets. They're very, they're windy. You know, if, you could, if I wanted to, uh, if you gave me half an hour there, I, I bet you I could get a horse to half in price <laughs> messing, messing about with with a few quid um, in, in these markets. Finally, um, so. he's been unearthed. We know Kevin Blake is pot noodle man. He slipped up <laughs> just like yeah. H has slipped up in line of duty. Oh, we know now. We definitely know. Yeah, if I, if I was a little bit more mischievous, what I, what I do now just for the sake of crack it's while we're doing the podcast, that go on and start back in Persian King. <laughs> 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 and uh, you'd set the whole thing off blue very quickly and you'd, you'd get the whole, uh, the, 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 whole, the whole racing world talking about oh my god it looks like they're changing their mind about Persian King 90% in re- to go to Paddy Longchamp and then all of a sudden changes around um, <laughs> in terms of options for John Gosden's horse so for uh, Too Darn Hot what would you like to do the Dante is there but to me Irish 2000 guineas will be much preferable. Yeah, I won't go into it too deep because I, I need to leave um, <laughs> quite quickly. <laughs> um, but I have wrote my, col- my at the races column on that exact subject this week and the, the potential decision they face there between the, the Irish 2000 guineas and the Dante. Um, to sum it up, Cliff Notes, um, I would be 100% absolutely uh, in favour of the Irish 2000 rather than the Dante. And it'll it'll be absolutely fascinating to see which way they point him. But look, hopefully more so than anything else, just hope he's he's. They say he's back right now. I hope he stays right, and um, and we get to see him 
plenty this season just to see how good he is because he, he did look um, very, very good at two. And, uh, and I want to see what he's like at three, yep. as we all do, I'm sure. Yeah, we all do. We want to see what he's made of. He's a very, very exciting horse. That's it. Uh, we're back on Thursday previewing the weekend's racing from Kevin Blake. Good luck. They call you King Killer. <laughs> One of the best episodes of Game of Thrones of all time. The next episode has the budget of a major Hollywood film. Don't miss it. It's going to be epic. From Kim Blake and from me, Emmett Kennedy, we'll chat to you on Thursday. And um, thank you very much for the kind words on social media. We'll chat to you then. God bless. Bye-bye. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.